Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you. My name is Josh. I like that starting video there. Um, I don't know if you can identify with some of those, but my family always is drawn to the cats one. And I happened to see my wife's face when that cat one came on, and she's over there going. <laughs> well, my name is Josh, and um, we attend the Montrose campus. Um, we normally sit right over here during the second service. Um, it's cool to be here with you, finishing up our series called Relationship Goals. Um, if you have missed any of the weeks in this series, and I'm just going to be honest, I missed church one time during this series. And they still let me come up here and preach. Um, But I was able to listen to that sermon online. And if you've ever wanted to hear something awesome, I listen to my podcast at one and a half times speed. Pastor Bob sounds like a chipmunk if you listen to him at one and a half times speed. It's fantastic. You have to try it out. Um, But I am a banker here in Montrose. And so I work just down the street here as a banker. Uh, For the first uh, 15 or so years of my uh, married life, I was on staff at different churches. And then for the last uh, five or six years, I have been working at different financial institutions as a banker. And so this morning, we're talking about this idea of work, uh, what we do. um, And really, we're, we're trying to ask and promote the thought towards an answer of the question, What are your goals for work? Why do you do what you do? The famous author Zig Ziglar reminds us that if you don't aim at anything or if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time, which might sound relieving to some of you like, oh, good, I'm always going to succeed. But that's the opposite. That's the opposite of what the desire is, that, that really what it's saying is that we have to have a target. So no matter who you are in this room, whether you're a CEO, whether you're an hourly worker, whether you're a laborer, whether you're a student, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, whether you've retired, whether no matter who you are, you have a job. So the question is, why do you do what you do? What are your goals? And maybe for some of you, if you're honest, you would say, my goals, I want to make money, right? Stacks on stacks, right? I, I want to make that money. I was going to say bread, but some of you may not know what that is, and I'm pretty hip. So apparently that means money. Um, maybe some of you say, I want to be able to buy more toys, Dusty knows what I'm talking about, right? I want to be able to buy more toys. I I want to be able to buy things. Maybe for some of you, I work for the weekend, right? Which seems really, really weird that we work just for the weekend, or I work for a vacation, or even worse, I work so that I can retire. Why do you work? What are your goals for work? And understand, this is massively important Because we spend a third of our life or more working, doing that job. A third of your life is spent doing that task. So why do you do what you do? What are your goals for that job? And maybe to expand on that question a little bit, are you maximizing the job that you have 
for the kingdom of God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk for those of us who would call ourselves believers in Jesus. If you're here and you're just checking us out, I'm really glad you're here. But, but maybe for those of us, we would need to ask ourselves, am I maximizing where God has placed me for the kingdom of God? Because if I'm, if I'm not, then I'm just simply showing up to make that money, to get that paycheck. And what we're going to see, and what, if we're honest, what we're going to admit is that when we realize what our purpose is, what our goal is, that's going to skew how we do that job. We're going to be looking this morning in the letter that Paul wrote to a church in Colossae. It's a, it's a, we call it a book of Colossians. And Paul was writing to a, a healthy church. Sometimes we, we hear about these churches that are really down and out or they're really not doing good. But this was a healthy church that was struggling with compromising their beliefs, compromising who they were, really battling the pressure of being like the world. I mean, maybe some of us can relate to that, right? You know, we, we, we can understand exactly what's being said here. And so Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be, be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So Paul starts off with this concept that may be a little bit foreign to us. He, he addresses slaves. Now, we can understand a few things about this, that Paul knew that in that church, there were people who identified as a slave. And in that culture, sometimes you were you, were, you actually put yourself into slavery, maybe to pay back a debt, or maybe because that was a way for a job security. Sometimes, as we could probably deduce and understand, that sometimes people were put into slavery not for those same reasons. Uh, and, and likely, some of those slaves had really, really harsh and cruel masters. Um, and they were probably treated very poorly. So why would Paul say to them that they needed to obey and honor their masters? I mean, that seems a little unfair. Well, Paul understood and wanted to remind this church that you are a representation of God. You are a representation of God and his church. And so Whatever you do, he says, you need to honor and obey your master. I don't think it's a stretch for us, and I think you'll walk with me here, that it's not a stretch for us to think that there's a correlation between being an employee and being a slave. And some of you work at a job where you're like, there's no more accurate description than me as a slave. right? Some of you understand what that is. You have that harsh, cruel, tyrant boss. You work in unhealthy or, or really difficult circumstances. But we can understand that God, through Paul, is telling us 
that we need, what we do is vital. He says, obey your masters in everything. That, that we have to not just do what our boss says. Because I'm going to be honest. I've done what my boss said, but underneath my breath, I am just angry. Right? I just have nothing good to say, but I'm going to do what he says. But does that mean that I have complied with what God wants me to do? Well, no, because I'm to honor him. I'm to honor her. I'm to obey them and give them honor in everything. So it's not just doing what they say. It's doing it in the right way. You may say, well, Josh, I've been at this job for 14 years, and they just hired this kid straight out of college. He knows nothing, and he's telling me how to do my job. I'm going to do it more efficiently, right? I'm going to do it smarter. But really what we're doing is we're masking disobedience, calling it efficiency. We have to obey our masters in everything because what we do is going to ripple through eternity. So, so how do we get there? How do we, how do we get from wherever we're at today to transition to that place where we can not only just obey, but obey properly? Well, as we understand that anytime you start to think about obedience, it's all about humility and submission. That's where our mindset has to, to lead to. And that's where, where Paul talks about this idea of a sincerity of heart. We have to do this with the right heart attitude. We know that God doesn't just look at our actions, right? Where does he look? He looks at our heart. And he understands that that's where our motivation comes from. We need to do these things out of the right frame of mind and right attitude of our heart. We need to see that this job that when I obey my master, when I obey my boss, when I when I do what I'm supposed to do, I'm not just obeying him, but I, I, I'm, I'm taking steps towards actions that are going to ripple throughout eternity. So as we look forward to, maybe for some of you, later this afternoon, you're going to work. Or maybe, like me, you're going to work tomorrow morning. How do we take this knowledge and transfer it to tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock? I'm going to give you three things to cause us to think about how do we change our mindset and, and how do we establish and determine and use the direction from our goals for our work to impact our lives. And the first is this. If you're taking notes, the first point is this, that your work ethic reveals your God or your God. For those listening online, that's a big G or a little G. What you do, how you do what you do reveals who you're serving. When I was 13, I used to mow lawns for people in our church. How many of you started off doing that? That is just nobody. Seriously, you guys are missing out because I'm going to tell you what, I love mowing grass. Like last week, my wife says, what do, what do you want to do for Father's Day? And she's like, you know what, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to grill steaks and you're going to mow the grass. And I was like, I am in heaven. That is like legit a great day for me. 
But when I was 13, I was mowing grass in Florida. Right there, it goes downhill quickly. But I, I'm, and when I say I loved mowing grass, I wasn't sitting on the zero turn 61 inch. No, no. I was pushing this push mower that seemed like it was about nine and a half inches wide. And I was pushing it through St. Augustine grass. Some of you know what that is. It is like the most thick, cumbersome grass ever. But when it's done, it looks like carpet. It's beautiful. And my dad always instilled in us that, that we needed to be thorough. And I'm not going to stand up here, and you could certainly ask my wife, I'm not going to say that I'm thorough in everything. But when it comes to mowing the grass, I really like to be thorough. And you know what happens? You mow that grass, and it gets that, that those, those lines are just beautiful. All the guys know what I'm talking about. The lines, yeah, the ones that we strive for, uh, they're, they're just great. But then you see that one little dandelion that just pops up. Oh, that's miserable. That tells me I wasn't thorough. I didn't do a good job. Now, now I have tried to take that wisdom from my dad and from my mom, and I've tried to transfer that onto my kids. And I'm sure one day my kids are going to tell stories about how when we were kids, Dad used to make us go uphill both ways to split firewood. It's actually a fun fact. We used to have a hill, and so they did have to go up both ways. Um, in the snow, she just said. So, it, but my kids work hard. At, at 14 and 15, they're, they're working jobs, two jobs at a time. My kids are hard workers, What does that reveal? What are they pursuing? Many of you are hard workers, but your work ethic reveals your God. How you do what you do reveals what you're pursuing. We are to work. Paul says that we are to work as if we're working for the Lord. What would be different about how you did your job if tomorrow morning in walks Jesus in business casual and he says, hey, Cindy, I'm just, I'm your, your supervisor today. So just do what you normally do. I'm just going to observe you. What would be different about your job if Jesus was your immediate supervisor tomorrow? How would you do your job differently? I know I would probably do my job differently, right? But, but that's what Paul says. We are to do our work as though we are working for the Lord. That means that I have to obey my boss, not because he's a good person, not because he's the smartest, not because he's the best, but because he's my boss. And I have to do it as though I'm working for the Lord, after the first service, somebody came up to me and said, I find that verse relieving because sometimes I don't want to work for my boss. Right? I mean, maybe you've been there where your boss just is a miserable person. I, I right now, part of my job, I am doing the job of a person who could do it straight out of high school. And I don't enjoy that part of my job. But my boss says to do it. So if I change my mindset and instead of saying, I got to do this work for my boss, and I say, I got to do this work because God told me to do it, my mindset changes. 
And, and the way I do that work is impacted. It changes how I not only do my job, but if I'm a manager, it's going to change how I supervise, or maybe for you, how you run that business that you have. Your work ethic, I mean, understand those of you who are managers, this is not in my notes, those of you who are managers or bosses, your employees know what you're about. They know who you're after. I'm after more money for me, growing the company. Not bad. That's not a bad thing. But uh, they know if you're a person who pursues things about scripture, things about God, they know that. You don't have to tell them. They know. So our work ethic reveals our God. And the second thing is that our work ethic speaks louder than, your, than our words. Your work ethic, the way you do what you do, speaks so much louder than the way any words that you could ever say. I'm going to meddle a little bit, if that's all right. And if it's not, I'm going to do it anyways. I mean, I'm only up here like once every couple months. So, you know, um, and, you know, if you have a, an issue with what I say, you can just email me, Pastor Josh Jones at Bridgewater. That's something. Um, when I think about work or workers, generally people fall into two categories, lazy or workaholics. Now, there, there likely may be people in the middle. I just haven't met them yet. So, so lazy or workaholics. And for some of you, when I said there's lazy people, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you thought of somebody, right? You, you thought of that person. And if they're in the room, don't point. That's rude. There are, and, and if you didn't think of anybody, <laughs> it's probably you. Um, but there are lazy people and there are workaholics, right? Um, you know, we have people who they say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my job and that's it. They don't pick up any other slack. They don't do any, they don't say, hey, I finished my work early. Can I help do something else? You might say, well, Josh, I did my job. But what do your coworkers think about you? What do your coworkers think when it comes to your work ethic? If they're the ones who have to consistently and constantly pick up extra slack and you're like, I am just doing my work. For some of you, you're, you're not even there. You're, you're not even fully doing your work. We're told that we need to work as if unto the Lord. And some days, I'm sure that all you can do is your work. And that's fine. But we are told that we are to work hard for the Lord. We are to work as if though we're working for God. Understand that if we're being lazy, that's selfishness. I'm just looking out for me, right? And, and when, we, when we go to talk to our coworkers, when we take these invites, I actually pulled out an Easter invite from my Bible. Um, when, we, when we take these invites and we're like, here, you should come to church. And they're like, oh, you're a church person. Interesting. That, that stings a little, right? That, that would burn me if people didn't know that I was a church person based on my work ethic. So, so on the opposite side of laziness, are workaholics. Now, in today's society, 
We praise workaholics, right? They're out there grinding. They're getting it done. They're, they're just, you know, they're just taking care of business. Often, that happens at the detriment of others, right? You're that guy that leaves a wake of destruction. I, I, I can think of some people that, that I work with that leave a wake of destruction as they go through. They drive hard. They don't really care who they step on to get there. But they're looking for that promotion. They're looking for that accolade. They want that recognition. And it's not a far stretch to understand that being a workaholic is also selfishness. We as a, as a society, as we said, we, we praise that. And that trickles into other parts as well. That, that expectation. Now, I said this in the first service, and I'm going to say it again. The, the staff of Bridgewater did not ask me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. I, I worked for churches, so I understand working for churches, and then I'm working for um, for-profit companies now. Um, I get every week two days off, right? Many of you, most of you, get two days off, right? It, it's glorious, I get two whole days off. Do you know how many days off our pastors get? One. They get one day off. I get a work cell phone. Company pays the bill. I can make phone calls, check my email, do all that stuff. And at the end of the night, you know what I can do? I can shut that bad boy off. All right, I, I can just put it away. I talked to one of the pastors this a uh, couple weeks ago, and they said, the one day off is not the hardest part. The hardest part is being on call 24-7. Our expectation has pushed onto our staff. And, and as a result, they're forced to potentially become a workaholic. If you want to know if your pastor is a workaholic, talk to their wife. They'll tell you. Being a workaholic is a sin. I heard this week that in town here, uh, an office manager, he sent his entire staff to go see the movie Top Gun, and he paid them to do it. I think that's great. I, I think that's a step towards showing people that there is so much more than work. Have a life outside of work. If you're here and you're a boss, you're a manager, you're a business owner, set that example for your team. Set that example for uh, your employees. That, that It's a very popular to say work-life balance, but that doesn't always play out, right? Set that example for your team. Jesus reminded us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he was talking about uh, being different. He was talking using the image of salt and light. And he said this in, in chapter 5, verse 16 of Matthew. He says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what our work ethic should be all about. That's what our work ethic should point people to. It should point people to God. Notice what it does not say. It does not say, 
In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and your work ethic and you will get a raise. That's not why we work. That's not what our attitude, what our, our behavior should point to, should, di- excuse me, should direct people to. It should not direct people to getting that raise. It should direct people to, I'm working to glorify God. I'm working to point people to God. Since I have stopped being a full-time pastor, I actually do more ministry now than I did when I was on staff at times. I have people come into my office all the time and I give counseling. I get paid by a bank to counsel people. <laughs> I, I, I talk to, I, I actually have done funerals and weddings from people who don't go to any church. I, I've done weddings for people who are in between churches or things. I've been able to minister and, and, and share God's love with people because I'm a banker. So you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be on staff here. You don't have to be Heather to be able to minister to people. What we do should point people to our Father. The third thing that we want to focus on this morning is that your integrity is worth more than a paycheck. Your integrity is worth more than your paycheck. As believers, we do our work for the Lord, and we're held accountable for those actions, the way that we do it. And, and when we understand that, and when we have those, those goals aligned, our work is, more, is, is less for that paycheck and more for God's glory. If the only reason you go to work is to collect a paycheck, that's what you're spending a third of your life pursuing. A third of your life could be spent pursuing things of God. When I was 16 years old, I worked for Steak and Shake. How many of you know what Steak and Shake is? Okay, yeah, slowly starting to creep over to this side of the state. I was down in Florida, 16 years old, and I was a busboy. Now, I'm not going to brag too much, but I crushed it. I was a fantastic busboy to the point where after about two months, I got a raise. Head salad maker. You didn't know that was a job. I had it. And I was awesome at it. I was making salads and dishing soup and chili. And my boss recognized how efficient and how good I was. And he said, Josh, I love that you work. Always do something. Always be doing something. Many of you parents probably can relate to that statement. Oh, just do something. Oh, just keep working. Get busy. My boss said, always be doing something. Now, as an older, wiser individual, I, I can say, well, that means that I should always be looking to expand my knowledge or, or understand the business better. But as a 16-year-old kid, I understood the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. And so always do something. That was the directive. So I took my cloth and I stood next to my salad prep counter and I cleaned that 12-inch oval. I had the cleanest 12 inches in the entire store because for sometimes hours I stood there doing something. I was cleaning that spot. 
as I look back on that, to my disgust, I was stealing from my employer. I was robbing them of me doing work, compromising my integrity because I was pursuing a paycheck. Why do we do what we do? What are your goals for work? Maybe for you, you, you find yourself in a similar position as me and you're scrolling social media all day. Now, if you're a marketing director and that's part of your job, please do your job. But maybe it's not. Most of us, it's not. And, and we're scrolling Facebook, Twitter, Instagram all day. Or maybe you punch out at 5 o'clock and about 4.50, 4.40, you start that descent, right? You know, that slow descent out the door. You, like, stand up from your desk and you're like, oh, yeah, it's a good day at work. You, you take a walk down to the hallway this way, say hi to your coworkers, walk over here. Hey, what's up? You're holding that punch card, 4.59, 5, right? Maybe. You don't smoke, but you take smoke breaks. Maybe you're a truck driver, and you pull off the side of the road, and you take a little snooze, and you tell your boss, I got stuck in traffic. For many of us, probably for most of us at different times, we have been guilty in some way of compromising our integrity by stealing time, or, or squashing our coworkers to get to the next phase, all for the paycheck. Our integrity is worth more than that paycheck. It has been researched and found that the most depressing time of the entire week, they can actually calculate the most depressing time of the entire week is in 22 minutes. 12 o'clock noon on Sunday is the most depressing time of the entire week because that's when most people start thinking about going to work. Most of us, I just ruined it, I just moved it up a little bit, um, but most of us begin thinking about that work, we begin thinking about all that we have to do, all, all of those tasks. I've been off work for three days, and man, I am not looking forward to those emails. Right? We start thinking about all that we've got coming, all that we've got for us, and that's going to shape the way I approach the week. But if I approach the week thinking about how am I going to eternally impact the kingdom of God, that's going to sh totally shake how I do what I do. That's going to totally change the way I approach every day, what I'm doing today is going to impact eternity. So, so how can we possibly do that every day? I'm going to just spoil it for you. You can't. Right? I mean, if anybody's been able to do it, great. But there are going to be days when you struggle. There are going to be days when you work. How, how do you get to the place where you can do that most of the time? Maybe for some of you, you're like, I can't even begin to think about that. I don't even know what my goals are. 
I, I don't even know how to get to that place where I understand what I'm doing, let alone how to do it. Well, I'm going to give you three real quick practical tools that are going to help you get to the place where you can understand what your goals are for work. And the first is be a part of community. Again, no matter where you're at, whether you're a welder or whether you're a, a, a machine shop, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, there are people, believers in God, who, who are looking for somebody to come alongside of them and help them understand how they can do their job to the glory of God. How, how they can run their business to pursue the things of God. And we have so many retired people who are experienced business people who, who would love to say, I did all this financial stuff and I found that if we did this, man, we could, we could give back. We could do other things. So, so be a part of, the, of community. And if you're looking for someone to partner up with, see someone with the blue and white name tag. They would love to help you get connected to whether it's a small group or just another person who would be able to come alongside of you. The second is kind of churchy, but read your Bible. I believe strongly that God's word written thousands of years ago is completely relevant today. It's completely something that I'm able to understand and read and, and allow it to change my life. And even to take reading your Bible a step further, be fed. I, listen, I have a lot of windshield time. I'm in my car a lot. I listen to tons of podcasts. I listen to tons of sermons. And I listen to, I even listen to the Bible audio version. You know, sometimes we don't have time to read. But get fed. Continue to grow. And the third thing is pray. You want to make a decision. Have you prayed about it? What does God have to say about it? Josh, I have no clue what I would even pray for. Let alone, I'm willing to pray, but I don't know what to pray for. Awesome. I'm glad we can help you out with this because we've created a, a, a service that's going to help you and it's going to prompt you. So we're sending out prayer prompts for the next 10 days. This sounds a lot like an infomercial. Uh, but for the next 10 days, if you sign up, you're going to receive a one to two line prayer starter. A quick thing to pray for. This is not going to go on forever. It's not something that you have to worry about where the unsubscribe button is. This is just a quick prompt for helping you get to the place where you can pray for work. So tomorrow morning, when you're sitting in that parking lot, dreading your day, you get that text, and it's going to prompt you, how can I use the gifts that God has given me? How, how can I take where I work, and how can I affect and impact the kingdom of God? We want to come alongside of you. We want to help you because we understand that this is, this is work, right? This is something that takes time and energy to do. And, and our, our desire is to get to the place where we understand that our work reflects and will impact that kingdom of God. So what's your target? What are you aiming for? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day, and we do thank you and praise you that you are so, so good to us. God, we just, we know that in our lives, in our day, we have plenty of opportunities 
to bring you glory. God, we ask that even in the midst of those opportunities that we would capitalize on them, that we would not just see them and allow them to pass by, but that we would, we would use those opportunities to bring you glory, to impact the kingdom. God, this morning, I have to imagine that there are people who don't and haven't quite fully understood what their targets should be, what their goals should be for their work. God, I pray that you would give wisdom, give direction, give clarity. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for the jobs that you've given us, the places that you've placed us. God, we are the light. We are salt. We are different. May we be people who are known as difference. God, thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.